Welcome to Remarkable, a podcast about the families all over the world who love someone with Rett syndrome. Jo's Rett syndrome story is a little different to what we're typically used to hearing. Her daughter Megan is currently 15, but wasn't diagnosed until she was 12, just three years ago. I learned a lot from talking to Jo about atypical Rett syndrome, and it's my pleasure to introduce you to their family today. Your daughter Megan is currently 15, but your Rett syndrome diagnosis is um, a different one to what we've heard before. Um, but we're going to start from the beginning. Sure. When Megan was little, did you suspect anything was different? Yeah, so for us, it, it, it has been a little bit of a different journey. So Megan um, never went through a period where everything was completely fine and then there was a regression that we noticed. So she yeah. always had a bit of a delay. Okay. Uh, so she sort of was a bit slow to sit up, a bit slow to crawl. In fact, never really crawled, you know, in the, in mm. the sort of, sense um, didn't start walking till she was about 18 months old okay. uh, so it's it sort of everything happened but it happened slowly and then okay. that just kind of continued along on a fairly even um, progression for the next few years so she we, we knew that there was a delay mm-hmm. and in fact she was diagnosed with global developmental delay that oh, was right. her sort of long-standing diagnosis from about the age of sort of three, I think it was, when Mm -hmm. she was diagnosed with that until we got the RET diagnosis when she was 12. So there's quite a period. A um, long period. Yeah, where Mm -hmm. we just kind of, we knew there was something going on there. Um, Her speech wasn't perfect, but it was there. Uh, She Mm -hmm. could speak in sentences. Um, She could use her hands, but she's never been able to do things like uh, write or anything like that. Like Um, the phone, fine motor skills? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah. I was going to ask you, um, so you started seeing some signs when she was really little. So at what age did you think, okay, we need to start seeing a doctor or somebody about this? Yeah, so it was about um, 12 months. Yeah. 12 to 18 months, around that age. So our, Megan went to family daycare and the family daycare actually said to us, oh, I think there's, it, mm. it would be worth going and, and just getting her checked because a few things that she's doing, she should be a bit further along than what she is. Which, right, and they would have seen other kids we before. Like, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, yeah, they had all the experience and we had none. We were like, oh, yeah, no, she's fine. She's just yeah. cruising along. She's a happy, happy baby, happy little toddler. So yeah. we... We didn't really notice anything too out of the ordinary. Yeah. Um, but they, they they just sort of said, look, you might just want to, to get a check. So we went through this sort of round of, you know, I'm sure what most people do, the GP to yeah. the paediatricians to all sorts of things. And, and global developmental delay was all that they could come up with, basically. Okay. So, um, Did they run any other tests or...? Casual. They, yeah. Uh, they, yeah, they did. They did some tests. They did some scans. She also mm-hmm. had a thing when she was younger, where when she would wake from a, a deep sleep, mm-hmm. she would wake with all these jerks, and her tongue would be poking out of her mouth. And um, we thought it was a seizure, um, but it turns out it wasn't. Um, so we had lots of sleep studies and all those sorts of things done trying to figure out what that was. And they put it down to a sort of sleep apnea type thing because oh. it wasn't a seizure as such, Yeah, which was kind of odd. But she just grew out of that. She stopped doing it when she was about 
uh, six or so. Okay. Uh, so she did it for a few years and then it just sort of went away and she doesn't do it anymore. Mm. Um, but, you know, with the sort of, uh, with the RET diagnosis now, when I look back on that, mm. it was quite a... Um, it, an it, obvious symptom. It's quite an obvious type yeah. thing, but at the time for us, we, we didn't know what it was. No, so, I was about to say that. Do you know that sounds like a RET startle? Um, yes, yes. <laughs> because exactly. we've experienced it too. People, yeah. yeah, we've seen people in the Facebook group saying it. I'm like, oh, that's what Megan used to do. But yeah, yeah. we didn't realize that until like, you know, six, in seven hindsight. years later. <laughs> I know, isn't that strange? Um, and I, I guess that's why it's a blessing for us to get a diagnosis so early. Whereas in your case, you know, you weren't diagnosed for many, many years and now yeah. you've got to think back yeah. and go, ah, oh, it all matches up. Now I know. Now I understand. Yeah. It's like the light bulb sort of went on, um, I think, once we did get that diagnosis. Yeah. But I also think we were incredibly lucky to get mm -hmm. the diagnosis that we did. It was, it was really... Um, uh, yeah, she, she's not, she doesn't display the typical, typical RET um, mm. character. And in fact, the paediatrician we were seeing when we, um, we we sort of first discussed this is, no, look, I don't think it's RET syndrome. Oh, um, wow. So they did actually so, mention it to you back then? No. Yeah. So it was actually, so it, I'll, I'll take you through, if you like, how we came to, to finding out that it was RET. So sure. When end of 2015, Megan was um, at the end of year six and about to transition into year seven. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think now looking back, um, we appreciated the amount of stress and anxiety that that was sort of producing in her. Because mm -hmm. as I say, she's a very happy kind of cruisy kid most of mm -hmm. the time. So she wasn't really displaying a lot of stress. But uh, we started to get calls from the school that she was just falling over for no reason, like in the playground. Is this a mainstream school or is this a special need? Yeah. Yeah. So she's in a mainstream school with a um, high population of, of kids with additional needs. So okay. Okay. it was a really fantastic um, school. It, right. They said, you know, she'd sort of start falling over when she was crossing um, paths or going onto different surfaces. So she was walking from grass and moving onto asphalt or moving from outside to inside onto, you know, the concrete lino, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. She would just freeze and stop and sort of oh. start shaking a little bit and quite often just fall down. So that's a bit weird. And then she needed some assistance with walking at times, but not all the time. Sometimes mm -hmm. she was fine, mm -hmm. but she needed some uh, help with her mobility um, increasingly. Not not walking or not wanting to walk or was she just standing on the spot? Yeah, um, very stiff, mm. uh, very stiff-legged and that's continued now through to today actually. Mm -hmm. So uh, there are times where it's it's like she just can't get her limbs to move properly yeah. and when they do, they're very stiff and awkward. And then there are times where she's just li literally frozen and she, she can't make anything happen. Um, yeah. So... That, that was a bit weird, but we're like, oh, you know, we went to the GP, got yeah. some blood tests done. Yeah. They're like, oh, yeah, oh, I don't know. Uh, can't tell you. Um, and we went away for, for Christmas, thought maybe she's just tired, end of mm -hmm. the year, you know, we'll be fine. And she had a seizure, a, a full mm. seizure for the first time ever. The first one? Yeah. Uh, so that happened as well. So we went back to the paediatrician when we got home and sort of, went through all of it and he's, he said, look, we'll do some testing, we'll do some genetic testing, 
see what we can find out. And in the meantime, we went to another GP who had never seen Megan before. It was her first, very first visit. And I just laid it all out to her and said, look, this is falling down. She's had a seizure. Yeah. And she actually went away and did some research and and called us back in and said, have you ever heard of Rett syndrome? And, of course, I said, no. Yeah. (laughs) And. It was, a, it was quite a, a, a strange experience. So what she picked up on was the transitioning to different surfaces caused her problems with mobility, right. Right. the seizures, and uh, not continuously, but when she's nervous or anxious, Megan clasps her hands together. Oh, yeah. So it's that repetitive clasping movement. Yep. Typical rep, right? Um, yes. And they were the three things for this GP that, that sort of piqued her interest and... Um, she said to me in that, that meeting, she said, look, I, look, I don't know. This is just something that you might want to consider and talk to your paediatrician about. And by the way, here's a medical certificate for a couple of days off work. And I said, I don't need a couple of days off work. <laughs> She's like, just, just take it. Take you know, it, so, take it. Because she knew the first thing I'd do when I left was Google Rett syndrome, which I did Absolutely. as soon as I got back I, to the I office. Tell you what, and, that is what everybody yeah. is saying. <laughs> yes, it is. And it was, it was, it was, it big smack in the face, quite devastating, mm-hmm. went home early, <laughs> used the certificate and just yeah. thought, oh, my goodness, it, it can't, this can't be true. Um, but when, we you, when to- you did Google, did you kind yes. of think, oh, it actually kind of feels like it yes, could be? it did. Yeah. We ran down all of the things and I was like, tick, tick, tick. No, not that one, not that one, you know, <laughs> not that but one, but tick, tick, tick. Couple, yeah, yeah, there were enough. There were enough ticks and it did explain uh, a lot of what was going on for us, not not only right at that moment, but also, you know, throughout the years. So yeah. it fit. Um, mm. The paediatrician said no and we said, look, just throw the test in anyway because you're doing a, a, a range of different yeah. tests um, mm. through this, these bloods. And then we didn't think too much about it uh, until we got a call about five months later from the paediatrician saying, yep, it's wrecked. Wow. So, and that's when she was, was 12. Yes. Yes. Wow, yeah. So it was a long journey getting to that point. That is a long um, journey. Um, and I was going to yeah. ask you when you first got the diagnosis of GDD, which is the global developmental delay. Yeah. Were you kind of happy with that? Did you kind of go, oh, that's what it is? Yeah. That's what it, was, it is. That's what they're telling me. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Uh, yeah, pretty much. And because she was she was perfectly mobile, she was happy, she didn't have any other health problems. We always sort of were were thinking, yep, yeah, one day something's gonna click. It's just, you know, something will, will happen. We'll have some form of therapy that will work or Yeah. Um, yeah, some, something was just suddenly going to take her from because that's this what the that's yeah. what that diagnosis is. We we also received mm. that diagnosis when Jovi was very little because you feel like oh they're just delayed. They just need some therapy yeah. and some time, and over time exactly. they'll they'll get those skills. And then you know it's mm-hmm. eight years later, and you're like, yep, well, that's no, right. She's still, Hang on a minute. we're still yeah. right here. Yeah. We're still yeah. at the where she was when she was three, and I can I can relate yeah. to that. So I think mm. you know getting that diagnosis, you know. Would it, would it be eight years later? Uh, yeah, it would have been about eight, eight, uh, seven, eight, 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 nine years, yeah. That's a long time to just be like, all right, <laughs> not knowing. And then yeah, I think about our experience and how much I've learnt within eight years, you know, just on that syndrome. So I kind of really I feel for you in that respect because that's a lot of time to be thinking yeah, one thing yeah. and then to be told another. 
It is, and it, it, it has been, so it's been, what, um, three, three and a bit three years, years since, yeah, yeah we, got, we got that diagnosis and it's been quite, quite the roller coaster. Mm. I think it was, um, initially, it was this massive relief and I can even remember sitting in the office with the paediatrician going, oh, fantastic, thank God, <laughs> you know, we finally know. Yay, that something. Random um, occurrence or, or whatever. So there was there was quite an initial sort of thinking of oh yeah fantastic and then yeah, yeah mm-hmm. everything kind of fell apart. It it sunk in. Mm-hmm. It's it's a devastating diagnosis. How did I everybody think, take it? How did you um you know how did your family take it? Yeah, I, everybody was was fantastic and so supportive. Um, we're very lucky to have a fantastic family all around us on both my side and my husband's side. Great. Um, so everybody was very um, open and, and caring, and the, but they all went through the same emotions that we did. They, they, they all sort of went through the, the, the shock and the um, distress and all of those sorts of things. And mm-hmm. I think probably um, the hardest part was uh, we, we had always had that little spark of hope that something's just going to click and, and things right. would get better. And it sort of suddenly seemed like that's it, that door shut, it's not getting better. And, yeah. in fact it's likely to get worse. So that was pretty yeah. hard to get over that. Um, I think all come to terms with it probably is, um, is, is more realistic. So, yeah, I'd much rather know than not know. So I think mm-hmm. overall it's really positive and it does help to explain yes. the behaviour and it also gives us something to look out for in the future of, uh, you know, things to be aware of that mm-hmm. may or may not go wrong, that sort of thing. Um, and you know, like when I, when Megan started to lose her mobility, and we got a wheelchair, um, she's not in the wheelchair all the time, but she's mm-hmm. in the wheelchair quite a lot. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh my god, that's that's the worst thing ever, you know, having a mm-hmm. wheelchair. And now I'm like, yeah, it's a wheelchair, whatever, you know, it's fine. So yeah, y- your life moves on, and you deal, and you cope, and you and you just, you know. And I think you have to, yeah, I think you have to for for not only her sake and the family's sake, but for your sake too. Because, yes. like you said, like, okay, even though we've got this diagnosis, we still don't really know what's going to happen in mm. the future. So everything that comes to yeah. you, you kind of kind of take it as for what it is because you're right, yes. she's, still, she's still your daughter or your, or your son, right. depending on who we're talking about. Yes. She, you know, yeah. they're still in there and yeah. you kind yeah. of dwell on, oh, like, okay, oh, it's a wheelchair, her life is over. Mm. I don't think that's mm. helpful. I mean, it's not no, right. Not Rather not. No, yeah, it's, it's yeah, exactly. But there's far worse things, um, and she is yep. still there. It did, it did absolutely change the way that I communicate with her now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I think um, uh, learning about you know eye gaze, which she's always had that strong eye gaze, but mm-hmm. I've never really put the two and two together, and right. realizing that so much. Um, comprehension was going on inside not necessarily coming back out mm-hmm. so I, I very much have started to communicate with her much much more directly and and talk her through everything so I talked her right through the ret diagnosis and sat there you know on the wow. couch with her one day and, and and spoke to her about what that was and what it means and this mm-hmm. is why this happens and you know all those sorts of things and th- just the look on her face was just this entire like oh okay, I'm, I'm with you, I get it now kind of thing, which was... Um, I think that's wonderful, yeah. Surprising and fantastic. And, and then, yeah. you know, you also think, oh, I should have been doing this for years, I should have been doing that direct communication with her, but I didn't 
think mm. the comprehension there as I, much as yeah and I think that's one of the tricks of um having someone that's non-verbal because you don't you can't tell whether they're processing the way that we yeah. process yeah. things and yeah. You, yeah. I understand you get into a funk and you know it just becomes normal that's the way you communicate with somebody then once you know better you do better so I think that's great. Absolutely. So, I mean you mentioned before that she was speaking some words when she was little yeah yeah, so she she talks. She's a little chatterbox. In fact, um, wow, <laughs> she talks quite a lot. Yeah, which is which is fantastic. And I really, uh, I've I've really come to appreciate that so much. Just uh, yeah. through our interactions with other families and on the Facebook groups, it's just what a precious gift that is that that she's able to speak. So she speaks in sentences. Um, wow, simple sentences. You know, can ask for things like food, and you know, I want an apple, or I'm hungry, and all of those sorts of things. Um, it's not always in context, so uh, she'll quite often sort of start asking one thing and then it'll devolve into, a, you know, a random sentence about school or something that's okay. happened at school. So you still have to make that interpretation and, the, you know, try to make those links as to what she's really talking about. Wow. Uh, and there's a lot of repetition as well, lots of repetition when she's excited mm-hmm nervous like the school disco is coming up and oh, wow. we're hearing about the disco you know every couple of minutes I'm going to the disco I'm going to the disco, yeah. I'm going to the disco. yep you're going to the disco so, sure are. Yeah. Uh, yeah exactly which is is great um but it, it does also in that repetition you, you can draw the bow that you know that it's either excitement or she's quite anxious so then you can start to you know, drill down into what it is that she's really trying to communicate to you um, through those words. So it's not necessarily the words so much as, as how she's using them that, that really yeah. tells us a lot. I think that's so fascinating because I actually haven't spoken to any families with a daughter that is, you know, verbal mm. in any way. Yeah. So um, I, I just find that, ooh, I, you yeah. know, it's so interesting that she's able to do that. You know, what would I ask my daughter if she could speak? And you know, yeah. you have a fantastic opportunity to communicate with her, and she's and for her to communicate back to you. And That's right. Yeah, I think it has. It's it certainly helps in things. Um, so, for example, we we could ask her if she she seems distressed. Are you sore? Um, or does something right. hurt? And yes. she's not actually able to say, "Yeah, my tummy's sore." Yeah. it's not like that. She'll just generally say yes, and then it's the the guessing game and a lot of um, work to try and figure it out. But the fact that she can verbalise I'm I'm tired or I'm hungry or Mm. I'm sore just goes such a long way to being able to, you know, figure out what the problem is and then you can try and solve it. Yeah, I think probably um, one of the most powerful uh, times where that that has really... um, come across she was uh, Megan was talking to my sister one day about going to a new after school care program she hadn't been there before and they were just lying on the bed having a bit of a chatter about random things and all of a sudden this sentence came out of her which was I'm I'm scared and and my sister said what are you scared about and she said what if they don't like me well what if the other kids don't like me and that that was one of the most complete sentences in context explaining an incredibly deep emotion that yeah. that we all were just like oh my gosh you know okay we can work with this so yeah. we did a lot of preparation work before she that, went 
that's so a part and it, i mean even for a young kid to express that even a neurotypical kid to express that yes, that emotion exactly. is like yeah. a really I, I would say a unique thing to have because a lot of kids just yeah. bottle things up but for her to be able to express that so well is yeah it, it was amazing. that was was just one of the moments that still really just lives with me because it was just uh-huh. so um so perfect shivers <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love you, yeah. She's That's a big fan of things, lyrics, song lyrics, like you wouldn't believe as well. So yeah, love singing and dancing. So well, that's, that's yeah, that's another thing I, I didn't even think of because um, a lot of our kids love music so much and often they're yes. trying to dance to it. But then mm-hmm. the opportunity to sing along with it is yeah. that's yeah. another level of joy, basically. It is. It is. No, she loves that. She pulls out song lyrics in the back of the car sometimes. She loves anything with a bit of bop. She's still into okay. the wiggles. Uh, loves yes. the wiggles. So yeah, look at anything that's uh, that's got a good beat. She'll she'll be up for it. She's she's not very discriminatory when it comes to music, no, as long as it makes her happy. Yeah. Oh, I think that's so cool. So apart from, you know, the way that she can verbalise with you, is there other ways that you communicate with her? Because other families have tried things like a pod book, they're using eye gaze computers, any, uh, you know, anything else that might help her communicate with you? Yeah, so we've seen a a speech um, pathologist and we went uh, sort of down the route of of trialling a a device to Mm -hmm. to help her, you know, um, point to things and, and it would speak for her and, she just, uh, she didn't really get into that, I don't think. I, I don't think she saw the value in it for herself. She yeah. just sort of turned around. And, and she's always she's always had an incredible way of getting across what she wants, even if it's not um, explicitly yeah. spoken word. Um, yeah. she, she knows what she wants and she leads people there and she shows them through, you know, body language and, and pointing and all of those sorts of things that we all do, right. um, what, what she wants and how she wants it. Uh, which is fantastic. So yes. I think that um, we've still, it, it's a real hybrid of some spoken word, but also a lot of that body language interpretation yeah. and mood interpretation of is That's she happy, right. is she not, is she cold, all of those sorts of things that we, we sort of figure out as we go along. We, we speak mm-hmm. her language, you know, perfectly as, as a family. Yes. I think people who meet her for the first time, it's, it's more of a struggle because she mm-hmm. tends to, also, when she meets new people, she's, she's quite shy. So if she does speak, it's very quiet and it's hard to understand. Right. When she's comfortable with someone, she'll, you know, she just chatters on and she's, you know, out, out and proud and loud and all of those sorts of things. But um, for a lot of people where she's not as comfortable, it's quiet. So, yeah. I think that's really a good point to make too, is that everybody has their own way to communicate. In our experience, you know, I would have loved that Jovi just clicked with an eye gaze computer straight away, but it was just not kind of the case. And we still try her on it. We still have it out. We still model it for her. But at the end of the day, it's up to um, our boys and girls to figure out what's good for them too, rather than us just pushing things onto them. So if they're not having it, they're not going to use it. So there'll be no value in keeping it around and trying to push it on them if they're just not kind of meeting you at their own on their own level so if they can figure out how to communicate and how we can um learn learn their language that's it's a good start and you know yeah look i totally agree and we we sort of were going down that path thinking well while we can communicate in the family quite well with her if she was to go out with one of our 
um, key goals for Megan is to find work, uh, to find a job. Mm -hmm. So she had a device with her that could help her to communicate with people that she didn't know when she is, you know, quiet. Um, that would be really useful and that was kind of where we were coming from. But mm -hmm. for her, you know, she, she wasn't there. She wasn't on board with that. She didn't see the value in it. So she wasn't that, that yeah. Well, she knows. That she knows how change. she wants to communicate, and exactly. she's like, "Okay, yeah, exactly. I, that's not me right now. Give me a chance." And that's yeah, exactly. Do. I don't need this. You guys, you guys get what I mean. So yeah, <laughs> she's pretty happy with that. Uh, it might change. You never know. Absolutely. But we'll just sort of play it by ear and, and see how she goes. I, I think she'll be just fine. You find the right support around her and support workers and and whatnot as well. And and. They, they are able to, to connect with that's, her pretty quickly. Yeah, that's right extremely true too. Like you need to find the right team around um, your child yeah. um, for them to, yeah. to grow and to flourish and to be who they want to be too and to um, progress in the way that they're going to progress. So I think that's... Exactly. So with everything that we've just discussed, Megan is considered high-functioning in the mm -hmm. Rett syndrome world. And yeah. you've mentioned to me before that kind of leaves you in like the middle ground where you have a diagnosis of the rare complex disorder, but because she's got some skills retained, um, it doesn't, you don't kind of fit in with yeah. everybody yeah. else. So do you think yeah. that affects the way that you reach out to others within the Rett syndrome community? Absolutely. I think it, uh, it, it has certainly to date. Um, and that's, that's absolutely just that that's all all me it's coming to terms with the mm. with the diagnosis and where we where we fit in that that the rec community has been incredibly supportive and welcoming um yes. they love hearing about uh, megan and, and 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 anything as they are with all the families it's it's just such a great community uh i think for us it's just coming to yeah tr trying to figure out our place in in that because a lot of the things uh, that a lot of families are dealing with uh, are much more intense than than what uh, that you know the mm -hmm. sort of stresses that we have that we're facing. So there is an element of, oh my goodness, we're not on the same plane here. It's it, it's a bit much to post up a video of Megan singing, for example, because oh, that no. just seems like it's a bit, you know, like oh yeah, well, I could understand, but yeah, yeah, and, and but then on the flip side, of course. You know, you're out out and about in the community, and and people, you know, friends uh, with kids without disability and whatnot look at look at us and say, "Oh my goodness, I don't know how you do it." And I think, yeah. well, yeah, no, actually, <laughs> we're yeah. doing okay. We're doing fine. So, yeah, it's it's just it's just a, a bit of a conundrum. I think everybody has their own their own journey, their own experience. Uh, it's respecting everybody's journey uh, and just sort of trying to find your way in that. Um, that sort of keeps you true to, you, to yourself and your family as well as um, making sure that you're as supportive as you can be for, for others and, and what they're experiencing. Yeah, and I think that, um, I think you're right. I think that you'll find that we would love to see pictures of and yeah. videos of Megan, you know, because like even just talking to you now, I'm like, I'm stunned and I'm so curious about it. And I just think that's what Rett syndrome is. It's, it's not a particular thing. Everybody is completely different. And it's like, like autism where there's a spectrum. And yes. just from my kind of basic research on different variants of Rett syndrome, there are different variants. And I, I wasn't aware Absolutely. of that. And even if you could have the same mutation as, you know, four other kids, but your symptoms and your milestones are completely different. So I think it's really important that um, 
we welcome everybody, every single person, yeah. and we celebrate every single thing that they can do because um, yeah. everything is a gift. And absolutely, yeah. I, I'd be so excited to see more about Megan in the group. By the way, so. yeah, okay, <laughs> no worries. I'll post some videos for you all the time. Yeah, yeah. just it's because I think we're, we're all part of the family, and if we can, you know see other you know kids you know at dance class or they're graduating or they've picked up a fork for the first time or they're singing you know all of these things we just love to celebrate with you yeah fantastic I look and I think it, it also really reinforces to me that there are so many people out there we as I said before we were quite lucky that we stumbled on this diagnosis because one GP sort yes. of recognised a couple of, of, you know, hand movements and, and mm. mobility and drew that connection. And if she had never said that, I, I don't think that we would have the diagnosis now. So I think there is a yeah. huge community out there of, of people with Rett syndrome that haven't been diagnosed, don't that don't know, that maybe have a global developmental delay, a fairly vague catch-all kind of diagnosis because yes, they, they don't present in that typical way. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's, there's a, lot of, a lot of people with some some really fantastic skills out there, I think, uh, as well. Yeah, and that's another interesting thing. I think that back when we were diagnosed, our paediatrician, he had worked there for 30 years and he said he had seen, I don't know how many, I think he said over 10,000 clients, probably more, but this was years ago. And he only, Jovi was the first Rett syndrome patient that he actually um, had hand in diagnosing. So I think at the stage of, you know, back at the GP or even at GP clinics or how they're educated or updated, um, they need to be aware of more like genetic disorders like Rett syndrome, even if it's just mentioned, you know, just mention it to them because it's in their head then. That's it. Yeah. And then we can get onto that diagnosis stage quicker and then help our our kids quicker rather than leave you in a limbo of GDD, we'll just leave you to do whatever you need to do with that. Until there's a yeah. problem, like like you said, until that someone has a seizure, and then you go back. And I just think that's exactly, shame. yeah. And it's it's a lot of you know we went through a lot of testing, different testing with me, and we went through some mm-hmm. genetic testing originally that um, obviously wasn't testing for rep, didn't pick it no. up. Uh, but you know, blood tests, scans, all sorts of things, and we got to the point where we we're like, look, everything just keeps coming back that. It's not right. this, it's not this, it's not this. Do we really want to keep putting her through no, yeah. all of these tests for, you know, she's she's happy, she's healthy. Yeah, there's a delay. We can deal with that, you know, we, we'll, we'll manage. But we don't necessarily want to just keep putting her through test after test after test. And it mm. wasn't until, yeah, that, that period of, of, of regression with her mobility and the seizures started that it was, yeah. oh, yeah, there might be something really underlying wrong here that we've got to yeah. fix this or find out what it is. So... Uh, so yeah, it's it, it's also that sort of balance, I guess, between being constantly back and forth to doctors and, and getting that diagnosis. It's hard. Yeah, and I will say that Rett syndrome because it's so rare, they just don't check for that straight away. That's not something that they just go, oh, it's on the top five, you know, things to check, That's and right. we're just going to do it. Yeah. So it is a shame that if you're not educated what Rett syndrome is and the symptoms are, especially in that beginning stage, you know, when they're newborns and until they're, you know, two or three and you can start to see um, the symptoms of it. If they don't realise that, then they will miss it because it's not, you know, a test, a a standard test. 
That's right. And it, and it is learning, uh, obviously, as well, that when we first mentioned it to the paediatrician, his, his sort of reaction was, no, it's not Rett syndrome because she doesn't have small hands and feet and she, she has a normal-sized head. So that, that means she doesn't have Rett. And, and I was like, oh, okay, okay but let's just test anyway. And then, you know, the reading that we do, and that, that's just a bit of that sort of, I guess, old school, if you like, thinking that. The, the typical, typical old school kind of things that you look for rather than the behaviours, which was what the GP picked up on. Mm-hmm. So um, education around looking for behaviours rather than necessarily that the physical characteristics, I think, is, is really important as well. Because when yeah. I look at Megan now, although she's not constantly hand-wringing, mm-hmm. um, she, she does it on a daily basis and whenever mm-hmm. she's nervous or anxious and it's very very typically uh, red move but because it's not there all the time that's you know that doesn't get picked up on in the in the same way as as some of the girls and and boys who are you know constantly hand wringing and uh, yeah yeah. can I ask you when you were diagnosed did they give you the actual like a mutation or was there um, and is it an atypical Rett syndrome diagnosis Yes, and you know what? I should have looked it up before this podcast. Sorry to have the information in front of me. That's all right. <laughs> but yes, uh, I do. Of the the list of the the C deletion number 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 letter. <laughs> no, 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 that's okay. Yeah, it's all there. It's a lot I'm of numbers. Sure it is. It is, and mm-hmm. you know, it was one of those ones we sort of scan, 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 and then down the bottom, you know, this is this yeah. the diagnosis of Rett syndrome. I'm like, yep, that's the part that matters, I guess. So, yeah. It is the part that matters. Um, but like I said before, now I'm learning about atypical Rett syndrome, you know, the, mm. the variants of Rett syndrome that are not displaying the classical symptoms. Um, I yeah, kind of okay. into to talk to those families to see, yeah. Um, how they're doing and how different are their kids yeah. and are they doing amazing okay. things like um, talk, yeah. walking and all the all the things that we might typically think that are impossible with Rett syndrome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, Helen Leonard um, put us in touch with a family in Texas. In fact, oh, wow. uh, not long after we got the, the diagnosis, because there were some quite some similarities between uh, Megan and and this little girl in Texas who was. Uh, you know, she she talks, she runs around, she's playing on a soccer team and doing wow. all sorts of, of wonderful things. And so I've had a bit of a correspondence with her mum, which has been really lovely as well because that's, you know, who would have thought that you'd be chatting to someone in Texas from Canberra? Yeah. You know, I, yeah. About, about kids. But that's the, the wonderful rec community, isn't it? Every, everybody's very willing to, uh, to get in touch and share stories and experience. I know, and in this rare world, I think that's kind of like all we've got sometimes because, you know, you go to a doctor and they have no idea, but you connect mm. with these people. We, well, we've been connecting with everybody through Facebook and the Facebook group yes. has been, like, incredible, such has a good it? resource because, you know, you can ask a question and someone's going to give you an answer within the hour, basically, yeah. and you're like, oh, yeah. okay, that is a Rett syndrome thing or it's not a Rett syndrome thing, we better follow mm. this up. So. Um, yeah. having the community around us it's I mean I always say to people when they come in and they're new I say I'm sorry that I had to meet you this way but I'm glad you're here because we can That's help it, you yeah. and we help each other through through everything um, because yeah. we understand yeah. so I think that's great that we've got friends from all over the world 
That's right. It's 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 an incredible resource. The rec community on on Facebook is just absolutely amazing, and and yeah. all the emotions and all of the experiences, and it's just it's a wonderful place to sort of just feel like oh yeah somebody gets it. No, you, yeah, you like really if do. I ask this question, That's it's lovely. not a weird question because I know someone. No, yeah. to it. That's exactly right, and and not just one person, but fifty people will come in and oh yeah, that happened to me, you know. Yeah, and also like you can post about like the smallest things, like oh she held onto a fork today, and they'll be like, like yes, everybody's so happy and they get it. Whereas you yeah. know, if you asked your or you posted that to your friends, they might be like, ah, oh, okay. Yeah, like, yes. right. I mean, we do have very supportive, like, friends. Don't get me wrong. Of course. But there's yes. something different about it, having a community around, you know, Rett syndrome yeah. itself. Um, I did actually uh, mention it to an occupational therapist once who came and um, we, didn't, we didn't totally click. And, and one of the things that she was doing with, with Megan was getting her to spread um, butter on a piece of toast, so some fine mm-hmm. motor skills. Um, and Meg was doing a pretty good job. I thought she was doing a great job, actually. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it was sort of a bit mushed by the end. But she had, yeah. she had the knife. She was holding the toast that you know you could. Yeah, it was it was spread pretty well. And yeah. and at the end of it, I was like, oh, that's fantastic. Well done, you know, Meg. And the OT sort of looked at me. She said, really? Do you do you think so? Do you think that was okay? And I'm like, oh, I just sort of stopped and looked at her, and I thought. Well, <laughs> yes. You know, if I posted this in the rec community right yes. now, there'd be Hundreds of people going, oh, my God, that's amazing. Yeah, so, yeah it, was, uh, it was an interesting one. <laughs> I, w- I would have just said, get out. No, I would have been. <laughs> because as an OT, they would have experienced um, successes and little little successes. And like, yes. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm going to zip my lip on that one. But I think that's... Yeah, yeah. You can I, I do that It's fine. <laughs> so that's I'm, it. There's nothing you know, wrong with it. <laughs> toast that's awesome that's the best toast ever (laughs) exactly it was great she did eat it it was yum (laughs) yes and that's that's what you're gonna do you're gonna butter that toast and you're gonna eat it and she did it and i think that's (laughs) exactly success but you're right that is the differences between like knowing what a success is and what a little is and what is not ordinary and what is extraordinary um exactly in our community so that's right yeah and good on yeah and that's where the 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 good part of of rec comes in because it it teaches all of us about that you know I never would have appreciated that before having Megan and and going through that experience it's it's taught me so much um Mm -hmm. you know in terms of patience and empathy and and understanding that certain behaviors are triggered by something that's underlying it's not just on the face of right you know someone having a meltdown it's what will what what's happened to trigger Mm -hmm. that meltdown and Mm -hmm. and i never used to think in those terms so uh that's a really valuable part of of having a a kid with a disability and, and, and a Rett syndrome is just being able to see the world through a bit of, you know, a bit of different eyes. and, and, and Definitely. Really that in, yeah. Megan has a younger sister, Rachel. She does, yes. A couple years younger. So she, yeah, I guess, has grown up, grown up in that, first of all, in the, the GDD, Global Developmental Delay world with Megan and then yeah. the Rett syndrome world. Um, yes. What's their relationship like? Uh, they have a great relationship uh, and, and always have. 
Look, I think Rachel's just, she's an incredible, incredible person. She's just amazing. And she, because she's, she's younger, she's never known any different. She's, she's grown up with um, looking after, she's, she's always felt uh, quite, quite protective of Megan. Right. So she's always, you know, spent her life trying to help her to do things. And that was just normal. That wasn't anything out of the ordinary yeah. when she was, she would help Megan do things when she was able to do them. Um, it's it's turned her and I and I see it in in her relationships and just the person that she is. She is naturally empathetic. Mm. She uh, doesn't judge people. She's she's grown up with inclusion actually just yeah. being her world. She doesn't have to learn what inclusion means. She no. she knows what it is naturally. Mm. So uh, that that in my view has just given her so much uh, in terms of as she grows into an adult. Um, the ability to understand people and not judge a book by its cover, knowing that we've all got something to contribute, even if it is, you know, buttering the toast. It's yeah. it's still, a, yeah. you know, a something to be celebrated and she celebrates those successes with Megan. Uh, so it's really, it, it's really lovely. It's really positive for her. I think there are certainly, certainly moments where she's, you know, expressed, well, it's a bit hard, obviously, having a, a sister that is different. They don't have the same sort of relationship as other siblings do, um, but in some ways, I think it's a lot stronger. It's a lot deeper. There's a lot more of that uh, deeper understanding between the two of them. And mm. and Megan just yeah, she just she loves her. If Rachel's upset, she's she's upset. You know, it's they've, they've got a real connection, which is lovely. Bit of teenage stuff at the moment, of course. You know, oh, yeah. I'm shutting the door. You're not allowed to come in. All of that, oh, <laughs> which no. is completely normal. <laughs> when um, um, Rachel was a baby, did right. Megan take um, interest in her? Because I that was our experience with with Jovi yes. and her baby brother. She just loved having a baby around. Absolutely, Megan yeah. is um, quite baby obsessed. Actually, she yeah. loved having her around. Loved holding her. Loved doing all of those things. Uh, and in fact, we've just got a couple of. Uh, nephews born in the last mm. couple of months and so Megan is just all she wants to do is look at photos of the babies and yeah. looking forward to Christmas where she gets to go and have cuddles so yeah she was a very uh, hands-on big sister when when Rachel's oh. a bit little. That's yeah. awesome I, yeah I love that I, and I loved giving that experience to to Jovi to be a big sister I think that was just yeah. um it brought a lot of joy back into yeah. our lives because you know at the yeah. time you're like oh you know Rhett syndrome is going to be horrible but then you actually can have a good life yeah. and you can have another kid if you want to and if you're able to and it's just yeah. the best thing so that's it the, is okay. it's, it's it's wonderful I I yeah and couldn't be happy with the relationship they have or, or prouder of, of, of the person that they both um, both becoming uh, as a result of it. It's great. Does Rachel yeah. understand um, about Rett syndrome and how it has affected yeah. Megan? Yeah, we, and, and again, uh, so when Megan was diagnosed, Rachel was nine. Um, yeah. So she was certainly able to understand. We've, we've sat down and we've talked quite a number of times about Rett and what it means and gone mm. through some different stories and, um, the sorts of behaviours that we can now explain and all of those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. It, it's interesting. I, I think she probably doesn't come at, and I might be, be, be wrong here, but outwardly she doesn't sort of look at it as, as Rett syndrome or a diagnosis. It's just, oh, well, that's just Megan and that's that's her behaviour or mm-hmm. this means that, that sort of thing. She, it's not sort of, oh, that's a Rett thing or 
it, it doesn't come back to the diagnosis for her a lot of the time, I don't think. It's it's more about other behaviour and just understanding that it's a little bit different for, for Megan and, and this is the way that we deal with that. And um, and so she's quite fine uh, with it, I think, I hope. Uh, but I think you know, we've had a lot of conversations. Yeah, here I am saying, no, she's fine. <laughs> well, she but, yeah. pretty much could be, like you said, she's grown up with this version of her sister and that's just the way that yeah. she is and she could be just totally fine and, you know, just getting mm-hmm. on with, yeah. you know, living her life as, you know, a young girl as well. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It's the value of inclusion, and I, I saw it particularly in the primary school where Megan uh, went. He said it's a mainstream school, but it has a very high population. It's not just a little unit or or anything where they've got okay. um, kids with disabilities. It's it's a substantial part of the school population. So there's a lot of uh, integration and inclusion and all of those things. It's quite a normal thing. So it's not. Um, and I'd, I'd love that. I, I think we need a lot more of it where it's just people with differences are just part of our life and, yeah. you know, that's school. fine. There's going no to school, worries. you know. Exactly. There's nothing different. So seeing that actually uh, through Rachel and, and knowing that for her coming across somebody with a disability at any stage in her life now is not going to be confronting or anything else she will sort of go in with a very open mind of you know who are you rather than you know what's you know. going on here yeah, yeah I want to get as a person first which is really lovely it's how it should be I think that's wonderful I think that you're bringing up two amazing daughters like I said before it could go another way and, and there's times where we're really sad and it is stressful and you know you hate threat syndrome and you hate everything that's mm-hmm. that's happening <laughs> Um, but then when that when that goes away, you're kind of like, oh, we're okay, we're doing okay, and we're doing yes. good by our girls. So picking up Megan is what kinds of things does she like to do? You've said that mm, she likes to yeah. sing, which is mm, so she cool. Does. <laughs> yeah, she loves to sing and dance. That's always been, in fact, music has always been one of the ways that um, if she was you know upset or distressed, music is always the the thing that can calm her down. So that's always been mm. a big part of her world uh she loves watching movies and tv netflix oh. is her go-to so <laughs> just loves netflix uh so i think that and that seems to be quite a, a common thing um for a lot of of the girls and boys to to sort of sit in and watch the same show again and again she watches oh, yeah. the same shows <laughs> a lot of times it's not necessarily flicking through a lot of different things she, she tends to just focus on a couple of ones and, and watches them fairly continuously Look, I think for, um, for Megan, what it seems to me to be is a way for her to sort of switch her body and her mind off um, when she's mm. watching TV. It seems to be a really, a very zen moment for her to just oh. sort of lie on the couch and let her body completely relax and not have to be trying to, to walk or do anything. And so it, it, that's what it seems anyway, that it's kind of like her meditation is just to sit and, and watch Well, I was going to say that it's kind of like a, a way to, to meditate for them to concentrate yeah, on something other yeah. than, oh, my hands want to do that or my body wants exactly, to keep doing yeah, that. Exactly. And when you think about it, it must be incredibly exhausting for your body to be moving and doing things yeah. all the time that you control. So I, I, I totally understand why just lying down on the couch in the afternoon doing that. Is oh, who doesn't love to do that anyway? I, I'm going to do it today. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, and then she loves, uh, she's a people watcher. She loves going out and sitting at a cafe and she just 
loves seeing different people walk around anytime that she can um, kind of be in and around crowds is, um, oh, wow. is a fantastic moment for her which is really good it's yeah. not for me I don't like crowds very much oh, it's a bit much yeah her. Yeah, yeah, she just loves going around. She's very happy, um, sits in a wheelchair and we just sort of wander around and, 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 yeah, people watching is a big deal for her, so that's kind of nice. And then she loves swimming and um, we spend a bit of time down the coast, so beach time, all of those sorts of things are really important, so, yeah. Oh, that's so nice. It sounds like she's quite um, active and sociable. Um, that makes her happy. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. She is very social. She she loves being around, always has loved being around people mm. um, and just sort of, I think she likes sitting in a group where she doesn't have to communicate so much. She can just sort of watch and let conversation uh-huh. flow over her and all of those sorts of things as well. Um, she, she seems to really enjoy that. Oh, that's wonderful. What kind of challenges does she face day to day? Because, you know, she does go to school. Does she go to school five days a week? That's she does, it? yes. Yeah. So she, I think probably there's there's two main main challenges. So one is her mobility, which yes. since it declined at the end of year six hasn't um, has kind of stayed. It, it's sort of gone downhill a little bit, and then it, it seems to have popped back up a little bit now. Mm-hmm. So by that I mean there was a time where she was in the wheelchair a little bit at home even, but wow. now she's she's walking around the house fairly fairly consistently and well. Mm-hmm. Um, so mobility is certainly a, a challenge for her and, and something we need to think about because if she goes somewhere that she's not familiar with, she needs to be in the wheelchair. So when Absolutely, I think yeah. in the future about work and, and those sorts of things, I, I'm, I'm building that into the equation. Yeah. Um, the other one is, is anxiety and, and a lot of that mobility and, and those sorts of things is, is really triggered by anxiety for her. We've, re- we've recognised that now that um, if she's not, comfortable not familiar with something she she really displays a lot of um anxious motion if Mm. lots of hand wringing low mobility all of those things and lots of repetition if we tell her that we're going somewhere um if we can prepare her in advance that's Mm. great if it gets sprung on her then Mm. it tends to be really quite confronting for her so as much Mm. as as we can we'll we'll give her lots of advance notice of of something that we're going to do that's a little bit out of routine out of normal so yeah we're learning that we're learning you know just that the the value of a long transition for any kind of change or 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 doing something different it it goes a long way to give her the time to process Process come to terms with it understand it get on board with it and then just um so yeah we just got to give her that 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 chance to go through all those stages i guess yeah and i think that it sounds like you're doing a wonderful job because you're able to kind of plan probably not even just days ahead, probably weeks and months ahead because she obviously, she needs that kind of encouragement and support. So I think you're doing a really good job, you know, spotting that for her. Yeah, she's doing really well uh, this year. uh, She's going through some work skills programs where she's Mm. um, doing some some work with catering, so cooking in a canteen um, at school, that sort of stuff, which is fantastic. And it's, I think it's a lot of the the expectations have been raised for her this year. People are expecting her to do more because they need right. her to do more. Like. Yeah. And she's really responded positively to that. So oh, I think wow. for, for 
uh, a lot of years we were kind of like, oh, no, you, you know, she can't do that. No, oh, she can't uh, do that. She could possibly do that. No, uh, she'll be fine. Just do it, you know, that sort of, but really challenging her and, and raising those expectations has had a, a fantastic impact uh, and has, has had a really positive impact on her. So that's something for us moving forward is to always keep that in mind as much as you want to protect yeah. and not put yeah. her into a circumstance where she might um, not cope. It, mm-hmm. Actually, we, we kind of have to give her the opportunity to fail in some senses because, yeah, she the yeah. challenging her has, has had a really positive impact. So we, we want to keep doing that as much as we can. And I think that's interesting that you bring that up because um, a lot of these challenges that the kids are given, like uh, work skills or even just starting the new year at a school, having new teachers or starting a new school altogether, it, as much as, it, as a challenge for the kids, it's also um, an opportunity for the parents and carers to be challenged and to yes, also yes. become more brave and resilient and to let go a little that's bit. Right. I know that's so hard because it's, it it's is your baby. Hard, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, hard. oh, no, no, we're okay. You, sh- you don't have mm. to do that. It's okay. But then you kind of see them you know get into something and they're happy yes. and they're more confident and then they've got another yep. skill so um exactly there's yeah. a, a learning curve um I like it's a learning curve for everyone it's for it's everyone. yeah it's not just it, yeah it's not just challenging for the kids it's it's really challenging for for parents to to do that but it's it's really necessary you know you do it without thinking with, with your other kids so i i think we've just we, we've got to give our girls and, and boys the same opportunities and, and the same uh, chances, even if it is the, the, the challenge that, you know, pushing through is, is buttering the toast. It, it doesn't matter. That's that's the challenge. Let's challenge them to do that and not be afraid that they'll drop the knife and hurt yeah. themselves or whatever it might be. Well, I was going to say um, also on that, we have to also train ourselves that a failure is not you know the end yeah. of it it's not that's it you can't yes. ever do that ever again it's we have to try better next that's time or we have to adjust so that we can get it done i think that's important advice for anybody in any respect that oh, once as you, long as, fail, you know that's as not, long as you learn yeah. from your failure i think that's the yeah. main thing so recognize that didn't work and why and mm-hmm. oh yeah i could do that again because i just need to tweak that or that's really not for me that's fine too but you, absolutely you've got to yeah. learn um, you, yeah the um Megan's Megan's speech has improved this year. Her mobility has improved this year. Just the way she holds herself has improved. So her self-esteem is is clearly um, has has been um, improved this year. Just again through this, uh, yeah, challenging her a little bit more. So again, you get that moment of oh, I should have been doing this for a long time. But <laughs> as long as you get there, I think is the main thing. I you got to be kind to yourself, right? So absolutely. Um, I mean, there's no point in going. Going back, you can't change yeah. the past, so let's just no, keep moving no. forward. And what we've got today, what can we do today um, to make exactly. you know, the future yeah. better for everybody? Let's give it That's a go. Right. All you can do is try. Yeah. Well, there was a yeah, there was a time where I was, you know, I was thinking not long after the diagnosis. Okay, well. That's it. Uh, now I know once she's left school, I'll need to quit work and be at home with her and, and you know, every day. And then I've, I've now sort of looked back at that and think, oh, my goodness, that would be awful for her to be stuck at home with me every day when she yeah. leaves school. And it's awful for me not to be able to work and this do things true. that I want to do. So, of course, she will. we will find her work. We'll find her 
meaningful activities that she really enjoys doing that challenge her um, because why wouldn't we want to give her that opportunity and mm-hmm. and it is out there it takes some planning of course it's not easy it's all of the all of those things but it is possible so um, you, you've got to reach for it I think uh, and, and accept that it's worth it's worth fighting that fight to, to mm-hmm. give, give our girls and boys that independence as much as we can like I said, it's hard to think about the future, but you know, you've yeah. got to take care of what you're doing, of what, how they're doing and how you're doing too. Um, because before you know it, you know, they'll be older, you'll be older and you so haven't yeah. really progressed past the fact that they have Rett syndrome and they have these challenges, but you've yeah. also got lives to live and yeah. you can't ignore the fact that, you know, you, you, you've got to be happy too. And Absolutely. you've got to grow. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, and if you're not happy in your life, how can you, you know, pass on happiness to them as well? So it is, it's a balance of the whole family um, and making sure that works. And it's not easy and there are certainly times that we face where it's it's been out of whack and, and all of those things and will be in the future without a doubt. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, just, just keeping, coming back to that sort of base of what actually what sort of life is it that I'm, I'm trying to provide for, for my kids and myself and my husband and, yep. and everybody around me and one or the other or the other isn't more important. Um, it, it's, it's, it's all, all to be yeah. whole, I think. Yeah. Yep. Otherwise you kind of get a bit skewed one way or the other. Yep. You're completely right. But, <laughs> and it takes a while to get to that understanding too. I think oh, it does. it's no, not easy. easy to yeah. say, not easy to do, easy to say, but yeah, um, it's, it's, but that's all right. That's life, isn't it? It is. It's never a dull moment. <laughs> never. So always something that's happening and you got to go with it <laughs> and you might as well be strong and healthy um, along the yeah. way rather than, you know, letting Absolutely. yourself go. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I do no, encourage, while we're talking about that, I do encourage anybody who is listening at the moment, if they are having a hard time, they can reach out to, you know, the group or to their partners or to their, you know, their family or their friends, just anybody, because people are there yeah. to listen to you if you're having troubles with it. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And there's, there's no shame in saying that you need help and that oh, God, you no, can't figure it out. Everybody does. Exactly. Everybody does. Nobody's got this thing wired. It's... um. And, and we all need different levels of support at different times over different things. Yep. But it's so important to just recognise that and, 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 yeah, go and seek that help when you can um, before it gets, it gets too out of control. We're all yep. here for each other. Absolutely, yeah. Like, don't feel like you have to do things alone just because, you know, you've got to be no. strong and you've got to yeah. fight this and stuff. Like, no, we're, we can yeah. listen to you. We can help you get through the rough times so that you can, you know, help others yeah. too. What is your hope for Megan and her future? Um, I mean, I know you've said that you want to try and get her into work after school um, finishes. Yep. But what is your hope for her? Uh, look, I think broadly, I just, I just wanted to have a, a long and happy life surrounded mm. by lots of people that really value her and, um, and appreciate her because she is just a fantastic um, young lady. She's she's a wonderful human. So I really would like her to to meet and, and be surrounded by people who who recognise that. Pra- from a practical standpoint, yeah, I, I definitely want her to get into work. Um, I want her to be able to participate in activities that she she finds really interesting and engaging um, after school, whatever that looks like for, mm-hmm. for her. 
Um, and the, the ultimate aim really is, is for her to be able to live independently um, with, with support, that there will always be support on hand. But mm. I, I, I love the kind of, it's, it's insanely frightening at the same time, but I really have this vision of her being able to live in a, in a place that is actually her own and that we can go and visit her in her own space would be so empowering and, and wonderful. Um, I'm not quite there yet in terms <laughs> of really, really seeing that come to fruition, but I've, I have seen quite a lot of um, accommodation, different different types of accommodation for people with disability that mm-hmm. it's possible. It can be done. Um, and Anything really is possible. Anything is possible. Yep. Anything is possible, exactly. And I really want to make that work for her because that's that's what we all aspire to, isn't it, is, is a bit of independence, having our own space, having that control over, over your life and, yep. and where you are. So, again, I want to allow her to experience that in a, in a safe way, obviously, and that's the part that, that holds us all back is that the safe, you know, part mm-hmm. of it. But but that's okay. We'll get there. We will. And, and it is what I aspire to for her, to, to live on her own, have a job, have some friends, just all those normal things that we do. Yeah, uh, and just day. be happy and to be living the yep. life that um, that she has. Yes, yeah, exactly. Uh, is there any advice that you can give other families um, living with Rett syndrome? Mm. Uh, yes, I, look, I think um, it's, it's sometimes hard to forget and I, I certainly struggled with it just after the diagnosis of, of just, just remembering that the diagnosis doesn't change uh, your little girl or your little boy and who they are. They're the mm-hmm. same person they were yesterday, even though today a diagnosis might have come and tomorrow they'll, they'll still be that, that same wonderful little person. So yeah. don't forget that, um, even as you go through uh, what for most people and certainly was for us almost a grieving process, mm-hmm. you know, that's important to go through that and allow yourself to go through that. But coming out of that and recognising that there are some some incredible options available for a really fulfilling future so take the time be kind to yourself mm-hmm. let yourself feel all those feelings but also come up on that that positive side that there's a lot a lot of options out there uh, and there's a lot of help available now that I think was probably not available in the past so yeah. take advantage of that uh, reach out to the group reach out to friends and family and and yeah we'll we'll get through this together I think <laughs> Oh, definitely. And I, I I think that's wonderful advice for especially the newly diagnosed is that because it's so rare, you kind of feel like, you know, you're yes. by yourself, but actually there's a really great group that can help you. And whether that's through our Facebook group or whether that's through your local rec clinic and, you know, the, mm, yeah. you know, you might have a really great pediatrician or neurologist that knows about Rett syndrome, always be asking the questions that you, might sound strange but you know you know reach out no dumb questions yeah no there are no no dumb dumb questions questions. you know if it gets you if it answers a question that you've had then ask it thank you again to joe for sharing megan's rep syndrome story with us for the podcast it was a great learning experience for me personally to learn how differently our kids are diagnosed and what abilities they have Wherever you are in your Rett Syndrome adventure, or if you're listening to this podcast to learn more about the families living with Rett Syndrome, thank you for listening to the Remarkable podcast. Help us spread awareness about Rett Syndrome by telling your friends about Remarkable. Share our Instagram and Facebook posts, and let us know what you think of each episode. We have many more great Rett Syndrome families to introduce you to, so keep listening, and I'll see you then.